If you do not already know, this coming Saturday we have a Love Does event um, that is happening in a few different locations with our uh, outreach ministry. And uh, I want to make sure that you know about some of these opportunities. One of them is at Over Under. Um, one of them's working with PACN. One of them's with All the King's Horses. And then one of them is a mobile market that's happening here in our parking lot. Um, you can sign up for any of that stuff on the website or on Church Center. Um, and then a, uh, you've probably seen already, but Over Under is with us this morning out in the foyer, and they have um, some Easter decorations they have available that um, you can buy if you would like to to go check those things out. Don't check them out right now. Wait until after the, the message. Uh, not the message, after the worship. Then, then you can go. <clears throat> um, so you guys stand up with me. I'm going to read a little bit from Colossians chapter 3 for us to get started this morning. Come on, phone. My analog Bible doesn't ever not load. What's analog? You turn the pages like this. This is so embarrassing. What's that? Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's what we're going to do this morning, singing and admonishing one another. Um, this first song is a song about the things that God has done in our lives. And so we sing it to encourage ourselves and to encourage those that are with us. I can't play my guitar if it's muted. I was dead in my transgressions, wandering in sin. I went searching for redemption down a road that I know end. I was walking through the fire I was living on the run With my flesh lost in desire I was drowning in the flood But God struggle with the lies that I have lived. I have fallen short of glory. I can't make it on my own. You kept a record of my past. Be sinking like a stone. But God
together to worship we ask that you would be with us that you would teach us that you would make us more like your son we pray in his name amen you guys and if you were one of our kids don't leave yet stay right here we'll dismiss you in just a minute why don't we stand over here all right the lord wants us fully invested in serving him to further the kingdom of God. And he asks us to be faithful, to use the gifts that he has given us to uh, be used in his purposes to advance his interests in this world. I want to introduce you to my friend, Oliver Booker. Uh, Oliver is with us this morning because he is a young man that uh, takes what God has given him and wants to participate in what God is doing and uh, wants to see God's mission, especially here at Colorado Bible Church, uh, furthered along. So here's where our story begins. It begins back on uh, 22nd when uh, Steve Hartzell and I made an announcement regarding the children's campaign. If you remember, uh, that campaign had to do with a commercial grade playground and it had to do with some security provisions, and it had to do with uh, some physical renovation of space. And uh, then my part at the end was to tell you what the cost of it would be, and uh, actually what our goal, our stated goal, is to raise $40,000. And, uh, and that's where Oliver comes in. We uh, asked the, the congregation, when I gave that number, uh, we just said, we don't know where everything's going, but we would like for everyone to participate. And we would like for you to participate whether you have a few bucks or you can write a big fat check. And uh, so I gave that announcement. I went down and sat on my uh, chair here on the first row. Chris uh, and the worship team began to assemble and start uh, to play a, another song so that we could worship together in and uh, I noticed this huge smiling face right next to me as Chris is getting ready to start the song. And I, I went over and, and uh, it was Oliver and he was pushing money into my face. And, and so, you know, being a good pastor, I took the money. <laughs> and Oliver was so excited. So beside himself, he just ran right back to his chair and we sang the song. So I'm going to let Oliver help me tell the rest of the story here. So, Oliver, why were you standing next to my chair? To give you money. Okay. And um, what was it for? The playground. Okay. So you were excited about that. Uh, how did you get this? By listening to you talk about raising money the playground okay did your parents tell you to, to give us that money no okay uh where did you get the money from my wallet <laughs> <laughs> how much money did you have in your wallet 12 12 dollars and how much money did you give 12 dollars so you gave everything that was in your wallet yes all right you showed me an empty wallet after the service <laughs> i believe it what what kind of job do you that you can earn $12. Sometimes I pet sit my neighbor's cat. <laughs> All right. So 
or you, you earn that money, and what do you normally spend your money on? Whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so like us, Oliver has income. <laughs> Oliver, your excitement to participate in giving toward this campaign uh, excites me, and it excites our body. Uh, still to this day fills me with joy um, and I deeply appreciate uh, your giving uh, because in the big picture as we stated today your giving uh, certainly uh, brings a fun playground and it brings greater security and uh, hopefully some renovated space but the big picture is that you are during our mission to disciple children to Jesus and I'm very thankful uh, for that so, uh, what would you like to say to our church family? Like the playground on the play playground, please give to the children's ministry. All right. <laughs> Couldn't say that better myself. So. Thank you very much, Oliver. I'm very thankful for your response to Jesus. I'll take your money. And uh, I'll invite you and, and your buddies, kindergarten through grade five, to head on over to Sunshine Kids Club. Uh, you guys can head out that door. And if you're a guest with us, feel free to f your children out and get to know the staff. Thank you, buddy. Who's moved by that? That was so exciting. Actually, because he didn't say anything. He just kept waving the money. And uh, I forgot to tell you this, but that money has sat on my desk. Uh, an inspiration of what God does. It's going to get turned in today uh, for all the deacons that are, that are looking at this money. I'll set it right here where you can see it. But uh, that was just so exciting to see somebody uh, respond to the Lord and in the big picture uh, part in furthering the discipleship of our children to Jesus. So I'm thankful uh, for Oliver and it has really truly filled me with joy and continues to. Our challenge to everybody was to participate at the 100% level. And uh, we even said, hey, you know, if you got uh, children here, you know, hit up the grandparents because they certainly want their children uh, discipled to Jesus in the best possible way. Uh, but the goal was not necessarily just to say we can check off the list that everyone participated, but because we are always better together when we serve the Lord together in unity. And in scripture, he calls us to serve in unity. So this sermon today is part of our Waypoint series, Waypoints for the Journey. And what we're doing is we're covering the mission, the core values that we believe the Lord has given to us uh, for Conroe Bible Church in this season of our life through study of scripture, through discussion, through multiple people being involved. And uh, our desire is to live out uh, God's heart for our church family, both within the walls of the church and certainly beyond the walls uh, to serve our community and then globally. So as we uh, look at this core value today, we're on our fourth one. And the core value is this 100% employment, 100% employment. If you're um, looking for a job, that's not what we're talking about. But if you're looking for a way to serve Jesus in the church, that's what we are talking about. We want to see God honored by everyone jumping in to serve. because We believe that's his calling on our lives. And so that's where we're headed today. Uh, a waypoint is simply a, a checkpoint. It uh, doesn't tell us how to get somewhere, but it does let us know if we are tracking along the way on this journey of faith, on completing the vision that God has given us, on completing the mission that he wants us to carry out right here at Conroe Bible Church. If God wants every one of us to be fully invested in his work, to be faithful, to serve him that way, and that's a term that 
up a great deal. It's a term that's included in the fruit of the Spirit that emerges in our as we become more like the person of Jesus Christ. And we believe that it's a biblical core value because it comes right from Scripture. Today, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew 25, verses 14 to 30, we have a parable. It's a story that Jesus told to get across a, a key point. It's a key point about faithfulness. It's a key point about serving it's part of his teaching. We call it the Olivet Discourse because the scholar decided to call it that because he gave it this teaching while he was standing on the Mount of Olives. And teaching has to do, this particular uh, teaching here in Matthew 24 and 25, has to do with how Jesus wants his followers to live until he returns. He's giving out information about how to follow Jesus as a disciple and literally how to be faithful until he returns. And this is how I faithfulness as we see it here, that uh, faith is simply uh, using what God has given you, gifts, abilities, talents, and using those as his interest in this world, using those to further the kingdom of God, being willing to sign up to serve him that way. Faithful service demands that all his followers be invested for the Lord. And so Jesus mixes in character and attitude, but he talks about how to live faithfully until he returns. And that's why it's, a, it's not only to the disciples here and not only to those uh, after that survive the uh, rapture and come to Christ the rapture, but to all of us living today, because the principles are there for us as we choose or not choose to be faithful to Jesus. 25 verses 14 to 15. We're going to look at three movements here. But in verses 14 and 15, we see that faithfulness is the expectation of the Lord he returns. He's going to tell a story about a wealthy owner who's going to entrust his possession to different servants. And he does that. Jesus is giving the discourse to his disciples, and he is the one that plays the role of the wealthy owner. And this is what he says in verses 14 and 15. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. So Jesus is the wealthy man here. He's the one who owns everything. We certainly believe that's biblical, right? God owns everything. He dishes it out for us to manage, for us to be faithful in our stewardship with. For the disciples' sake, this journey is going to last from the time of his ascension to his second coming. It lasts right up until his second coming, at which time he will set up his millennial kingdom here on earth. The, the wealthy owner of the property calls his servants in, and he's going to divide up his possessions. Now, a talent, of course, we use that, and, I, and I've already used it as a gift or an ability or something like that. A natural ability is how we often use it in today's English. But what he's referring to here in this story is a weight, uh, probably a weight of silver coins that uh, is called a talent. And this weight of silver coins, um, one talent would be equivalent to about 15 or 16 years of salary uh, for the average person. So we're talking about more money than the average person who lived hand to mouth, worked each day for enough to, to live off of each day, uh, much more than they would ever see in a lifetime. So we're saying five talents, roughly 75, 80 years, and, and two talents is 32, 33 years, and uh, then one talent is 15, 15 years. And so that's what talent represents in this story. It's a great deal of wealth. It's owned by the owner, but he's going to to three servants. He's going to give it out according to their ability. 
And so that's one of the principles that we have in, in Scripture is that when God looks at us, he desires us, starts in the womb, and, and when we're being handcrafted, and then he gives us works that he's prepared beforehand when we come to Christ, 2.10, and then he designs us to carry out his work. And each one of us is unique, but each one of us has a role to play. And each role is extremely valuable to be used by God in his kingdom. So he gives out according to his ability. Expect his followers to invest, to be fully invested until he returns. And so at our service until Jesus returns, we're to be invested. We're to be faithful with all that he has given us to serve him. He leaves on the journey. A good definition of faithfulness, again, is this. That faithfulness is using what God has entrusted to us, to the kingdom, to carry out his mission on earth. And Jesus has given talents to each one of us. I mentioned talents as natural abilities. I think it goes far beyond the spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is what the Holy Spirit endows you with when you place your faith in Jesus. Christ is a special and unique way to serve Jesus Christ within the body. And we'll talk about that a little bit later in the message. But here, I think the talent includes natural abilities. And I think it includes opportunities and experiences and wealth and intellect and all kinds of things that God has uniquely designed you. He's put certain things in your life so that you can serve him in unique ways. He gives you the power to choose whether or not to be faithful. His desire is that we would be fully invested. He returns. And when we do that, then we give him glory, bring him great glory. So faithful servants are expected by the Lord to invest, to be invested. Faithful servants also get excited about serving the Lord. And, and that's what we see in, in verses 18 to 18. And that's what I saw in Oliver's face back on November 22nd, as he had this opportunity to jump in and participate in during the service. Faithfulness excites the servant of the Lord. So there are three servants in the story here. There are two responses to the master. One is faithfulness, one is lack of faithfulness or laziness. The first response is the one that reveals the servant's excitement. We see that in verses 16 and 17. He who had received the five talents went at once immediately and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents, two talents more. And we see at least three principles, three things going on here that us and motivate us in our service to the Lord. The first one is faithful servants seize their opportunity. It says that he went at once. We aren't given spiritual wealth to hoard. We aren't given all these abilities and experiences and opportunities to completely blank out on what God wants us to do, to simply go our way selfishly, ignore what God is calling us to do. We're to seize on that opportunity immediately. Second thing we see is that faithful servants sense their privilege. These servants are excited. They get to align their lives with what God in the world. Is anything more exciting than that? To join him in his work. And so they sense the privilege of that. He's entrusted positions to them. They recognize it's the Lord himself who gave these gifts and abilities and personalities and temperaments. So that's got to be our approach, to be excited about what God's given us and consider it a privilege to be invited in to join him in his work. And the third thing we see is that faithful servants maximize their opportunity. We're told they get busy and start trading. If they're entre entrepreneurs or if they have some kind of business or whatever they're doing, but they're smart enough to know that they can double their money. And that's what they do before the owner comes back. They risk it all in order to give it all back to the master. And that's one thing that we don't always consider. But there's always an element of risk when we the Lord. 
In fact, that, that might be one reason sometimes we don't serve the Lord because we're very comfortable in the lives that we've crafted direction that we're trying to keep things under control and yet the Lord asks us to get out and serve him and so that's going to require time and energy it's going to require learning how to love people and exercise it it's going to require dealing with conflict occasionally there are all kinds of things that, that bubble to the surface when we join God and there are elements of risk, but that's what he asks us to do. And that's what these two servants had to do to be able to double their money and to give back to the master. I'm convinced that the Lord provides opportunities for the servant who is willing to use the gifts and abilities that God has given him. God will give you opportunities to get out there and to serve him. And we need to only take advantage of them because he's already gifted us. He's already designed us to do what he wants us to do. Too many people are unwilling to risk effort when it comes to serving Jesus and miss out on all these opportunities to serve him, to bring him glory, and to be rewarded. Well, the unfaithful servants, they don't follow suit. They don't invest. They do nothing with the opportunities presented to them. They are unconcerned about serving the master while he is gone. And they may have all kinds of excuses that they've dreamt up, this servant comes up with. But the point is they are not using what God has given them to do to serve him. We see it in verse 18. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Third, third servant ran from risk. He simply dug a hole and he hid take it to the bank for interest. He didn't find a way to trade and improve it. He just decided, I'm not going to risk anything here. I'm just going to save it. And I'm not excited about doing anything else for the master. Return. So the master will return. We see two servants that are excited about serving him, being faithful with the gifts he's given. We see one that's not, gives up on all opportunities. And then we see that the master's going to return. And when he returns, there's an accounting to be had. And one of the key things that we learn is we review his uh, time of return, is that faithfulness is based on an accurate understanding of God. What we think about God determines a great role, everything that goes on in our lives. See how it comes out, how it plays out for these servants. We live in this time between verses 18 and 19, and so we are called at this point to be faithful. Those who are fully invested for the Lord as we await his return. We will give an accounting for our use of his giftedness. And so what we, this is what he states in verse 19, part of the story. Now, after a long time, the master of those verse, of, the, of the servants, excuse me, came and settled accounts with them. So the master returns, and there's an accounting of how the people manage his wealth. And we see in verse 20, he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. The first servant was faithful to be fully invested in advancing the kingdom, in honoring the owner, advancing the interest of the owner. So he doubled the amount of the money, and the master replied with extreme affirmation. He says this, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. The master gives a commendation. Well done. What a affirmation to hear when you have risked things to serve. Then he gives a promotion. He says, I'm going to give you increased responsibility. I want to give you more to do because you have proven yourself faithful. And as we look at Luke 19, we passages in scripture uh, that increased responsibility plays out in the millennial kingdom in roles that we play and that we receive in terms of rewards 
And so what we do here on earth has an effect how we will serve God, both in the millennial kingdom and in the new heavens and the new earth. There's an increased responsibility. Not only is there a commendation and a, a promotion, but there's an invitation. There's an invitation to come celebrate with the master, to have your joy increased as you enter into his joy. That's an incredible invitation to think that this owner has given out his possessions and trusted them to you. And he is so excited. He wants you to come celebrate with him. And yet that's what Jesus offers us. If we choose to be fully invested and choose to be faithful, then comes the next servant with the two talents. He's going to run and he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. Once more, the servant has doubled, doubled the wealth. He or she has been very brave. And they receive the same words of affirmation, the same emotion of increased responsibility, and the same invitation to greater joy. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. These two servants, different amounts, different returns, get the same commendations, get the same rewards. And what that tells us is it is not about how much you can produce. You're just called to be productive as we are faithful, to work while we wait for the Lord to return. They get the same reward, even though the amounts that they produce are different. And that's this bit of joy for all of us. It gives all of us hope because we, it's easy for us to look at others in the church family or look at others in the kingdom of God. And man, those guys, those women are incredible. They're just amazing in how they serve the Lord in their relationships and in their service and think, you know, we'll never get that kind of reward. And the reward here is given for faithfulness. It's not given for how much you produce or what kind of celebrity you are in this Christian subculture. And that's why we want to be a group of imperfect people with all our brokenness willing to come together and serve the Lord in his power with his gifts, because that's when we are able to carry out the mission that he wants with extreme favor and grace and power. So both servants get the same reward. Not everyone has born with the same abilities or receives the same spiritual gifts. Not everyone has the same temperament or personality opportunities, but each one of us can be productive in what the Lord has us to do all service to the king in his power advance his kingdom to further his mission to be fully invested in his work is rewarded so responsibility is to respond to him in loving obedience to serve him to obey him service he has entrusted to us. Well, now we reach the accounting of the third servant. It's a little bit longer. It doesn't go as well. We read this in 24 and 25. He also had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I want you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid the talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours? He not to accept any responsibility for serving, for investing, faithfully using what was entrusted to him. And the rebuke is quick. Verses 26 and 27. His master answered him, you wicked, or perhaps a better word is you worthless and slothful, you lazy servant. Then I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. And you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have at least received what was my own with interest. Then, he, then the owner gives orders to so take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. The one who has proven faithful will be given more. 
For to everyone who has will more be given, verse 29, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see several things going on. The first thing is that I believe that this third servant is not a follower of Jesus. I believe that they are not a believer, if you would. I do believe that God gives and holds people that don't follow Jesus gifts and talents and responsibilities, and will that will be part of their judgment. I also believe that because of the language used to cast into outer darkness and there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you look at that contextually and you look at it, how it's used throughout the gospel of Matthew more than once, uh, it, it is used to describe hell, eternal judgment separated from God. And, and so I take that person not to be a believer. If you do, I'm not going to fight you on it. Uh, if you person's a believer and your interpretation would be that they are cast out of the kingdom for service, that they would lose those opportunities in the future. I just believe it's person's not a believer. Secondly, we see that faithfulness is rewarded and lack of faithfulness is judged. There is judgment brought on the one who is not fully invested. Again, the, the reward is simply a matter of faithfulness not based on what is produced. Faithfulness in the Lord's work is the responsibility of the one who is in right relationship with God. And, and I, as I said at the, the main principle of the point here in these verses is there's a real spiritual nugget here that emerges at the counting. And that is that our faithfulness to the Lord is often determined by our view of God, by our understanding of who he is by an accurate view of God. The first two servants saw the master who represents God as loving and generous, willing to let them join him in his work and give an ownership of what he has asked them to manage. They were happy to serve the master because they had a of God. I like the way Paul has stated this so clearly for us, a way that we can grasp it just looking at uh, a couple of attributes of God in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 and 15. And, and he says this For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live, listen to this, should no longer live for but for him who died for them and was raised again. We are to be fully invested because Jesus Christ is fully invested. When we are fully invested, when we are serving faithfully, we are following the model. We are imitating the master. We are living as Jesus Christ did. When he said, a man has come not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's what Paul is he's picking up on here. He's saying that love of Christ compels us. In fact, if you take it even deeper, that love of Christ gives us security that we can risk serving God. We can risk upsetting agenda and our time and our energy, not to do things beyond our abilities, but simply just to serve to be faithful in responding to God. Grace is not earned, but grace requires effort. Grace never condones irresponsibility. Grace gives a person's best in giving back to the Lord, in serving faithfully. Believers must entrust themselves to him. We must allow the Holy Spirit to empower us. He's not going to command us to serve him. He's not going to entrust all these gifts and talents and abilities to us without giving us the power to do that. And we see that throughout the New Testament, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what God has called us to do. And that's quite exciting. And so it, it excites us enough to say, Lord, change my agenda. I want to follow you in the calling you've given me. The love of Christ compels us 
to serve him and to no longer live just ourselves. Well, the third servant had an inaccurate view of the matter. The words he used there, harsh. He looked at God. He looked at the master. This is the person God with a misunderstanding that leads to confusion and doubt and fear and ultimately laziness. Because what it allows you to do when you have the wrong view of God is to blame God because this is how you view him as. And if you view him as harsh and mental and wicked, then who wants to serve that kind of God? So you can your irresponsibility and your laziness and your unwillingness to serve on God if you have the wrong view of God. That's why we always want to have the right view of God. And that's why we always say, hey, let's be in, in God's word where he has revealed himself to us and, and getting to know Jesus who has revealed the Father. How we view God will determine how we respond to him in faithfulness and the attitude that we bring with it. We're either going to love God and respond in loving obedience, or we're going to have a poor view of God. And we're going to be lazy. We're not going to serve. We're going to be faithful with what God has given us. The Lord calls us to be fully invested in his work. Well, where shall we be fully invested? There's a whole wide world in which we can the Great Commission. But the purpose of this core value and the purpose of this sermon is to narrow that focus to one of the places that God has invited us in, join him in his work, and one of the ways that God has commanded us to join him in his work in, in the place of the church family. And that's why this core value is 100% employment. It's about everyone being fully invested, everyone choosing to serve God with what he has entrusted to us so that we can carry out the vision and the mission he has given us to live with. That's really exciting when you think what, about what is possible with the Holy Spirit empowering each one of us. If you're familiar with the gifts of the Spirit, the spiritual gifts which are given out, endowed upon each person at the moment you trust Christ, then you're familiar with 1 Corinthians chapters 12, in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. These are places in the letters of the New Testament that reveal the, the nature of the spiritual gifts. They also explain for us that everyone has been given a gift of the Spirit for the common good. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12. And then later in chapter 12, he goes on to use the analogy of the body, right? He calls us the body are the little literal body of Christ. And the analogy of the human body, and he talks about the role of a hand and an eye and a foot and an ear and a sense of smell. And, and he says, each one must function for that body to function. Those of you that have COVID, most of you lost the sense of taste and sense of smell. And so you want to know what it's like recently within the last few months to go through life without that. He also makes it clear that an eye carry out the role of a foot. I mean, can you imagine that? Just try to picture that in your mind. And what he's saying in the Christ is that each one of you, each one of us has been gifted, spiritually gifted, given talents, abilities, time, opportunities, energy, to serve the Lord. And I do want to thank you for serving the Lord. I think that that's your things in our DNA. That's why I love the vision of the, the Compassion Center out here. And that's why I love the, the way we get involved with Under Over and all the uh, Beyond partnerships and ministries and the ones we create and the way you guys care for one another. This is God's calling for us. And this is great to have in our communities and in our hallway conversations. This is open season. Feel free to ask people where they're serving the Lord. Where are they being faithful 
with what he has given them. And even better, help people find their role. You observe your friends. Help them understand how God has gifted them. Help them know where they would be great at serving the Lord. And if it's more just a, a lack of discomfort or a, a discomfort than a lack of willingness, then, then give them that nudge. Give them that encouragement. Challenge them. Everyone has a role. There are no exceptions. Everyone is gifted in the Holy Spirit. And every role is valuable. Church family members, we are called to be fully invested. We're to be faithful to use our God-given gifts. And our responsibility is to function as fully functioning followers of Jesus Christ. In the body of Christ. There is no place, no such thing in God's economy. God's word as an inactive member of the church family. We are all called to be faithful and we will all be held accountable by the Lord when he returns. If we do not function, our irresponsibility eventually becomes the responsibility of somebody else. And that's where people burn out, taking on more and more and more because nobody else will do it. And so we want to be faithful to respond to the Lord that everyone can function at their best in reliance upon the Spirit. How can you be fully invested in the work of the Lord at Conroe Bible Church? Let me offer four things in way of application. The first one is prayer. As to achieve 100% employment, uh, ask the Lord, how can I best serve the Lord, serve you, Lord, in my church? How can I best serve my church family? Please don't ask the Lord, should I serve my church family? We've seen a parable where he asks to be faithful and productive until he returns. And we've taken a quick look at the body of Christ and that we're all called to that. How can I best serve my church, Lord? Whatever you're gifting. Again, I think it comes in conversation. Uh, we plan uh, some of the goals we're working on for later in the spring are ways to better discover your spiritual gifts and where your heart is and your passions, your aptitudes, your experiences, how all that plays in to where God wants to use you. Thirdly, move into ministry. I, I love what Howard Hendricks used to say. He used to say, God does not steer a parked car. And just start moving into ministry. Again, your friends, the staff, the ministry leaders here will all help you locate if you'll just get moving and start serving the Lord. We'll equip you. And if you're in the wrong place, we'll keep moving you until you find that slot. And then the fourth application, dream, dream, because there is many ways to serve the Lord in this body, this church family, and still fulfill our vision, mission, and core values as there are gifts and personalities and temperaments. So dream. Let's see what the Lord has for us out there that we haven't thought about already. Four things. Pray, discover, move, and dream. Well, I want to close by looking at verse 19 again. Perhaps the most important verse here when it comes to our responsiveness to the Lord. This is what Jesus said in the story, the parable. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts, asked them to give an account of how they used his money. We've got to be fully invested until the Lord returns. And when he does return, will be an accounting. He will look at us and he will reward or there will be loss of reward. Our passion is to see 100% of the church family serving. We are and we always will be better together when we are fully using what God has entrusted to us to accomplish his mission. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for inviting us into your work. And we thank you for painting a picture for us of what it means to be faithful, what it looks like, and even what the rewards are to be affirmed and commended by you, to be promoted with greater responsibility. And best of all, just to celebrate with you. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to move among us. Help us to find those slots where you would have us serve best, where you have designed us for. We pray most of all that you 
would it continue to empower us in ways that uh, create beauty and unity and power in carrying out uh, your work through this church family in our community and through the world. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us?
for being with us today. You guys have a good week. Cause I still believe